and welcome to the My Hormones, My Health podcast. My name's Laura and I have PMDD. Come with me as I navigate my way through the highs, the lows and the lowers of all things relating to hormones and health. I can't promise that I'll have all the answers, but at the heart of everything I do, I'll be aiming to spread a message of hope that a life with hormone or health issues can be compatible with a life of joy. Welcome to episode 13 of the My Hormones, My Health podcast. Today I'm joined by Steph, a fellow PMDD warrior who also lives with fibromyalgia. According to FMA UK, fibromyalgia is a chronic condition of widespread pain and profound fatigue. The cause of fibromyalgia is not yet known and there is no cure. On this episode, we discuss how living with chronic conditions such as fibro and PMDD can affect things like parenting and friendships. Here's our chat. Welcome, Steph, to My Hormones, My Health. It's so good to actually have you here because I know this is something that you and I have been trying to arrange for a while and it's been something that I think both of us really wanted to do. Tell, tell us a little bit about you and your experiences with PMDD. So thanks for having me. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I've been really looking forward to this. I know we've both just had so many prior commitments. And I think having PMDD as well can always kind of put stuff on the back burner a little bit when when it's that time, that time of month. So um, I'm 32. I'm a mum of one. I've got another one on the way. A bit about my PMDD experience. I was officially diagnosed at 24. So it's actually quite early because I'm 32 now and back when I was diagnosed, it was still very much unheard of really. And so I was actually quite lucky in that sense, but I believe that I've suffered with PMDD from around 13. Growing up, I had a hormone imbalance called premature adrenarch. It's not very common and I had quite a lot of issues because I was born very prematurely and then I had this hormone imbalance and essentially what premature adrenarch is, is it's basically puberty. So onset of sex hormones, but they come much earlier. So whereas most sort of adolescents will go through it, I was going through it at like age six, seven, which ultimately meant that my periods came a lot earlier as well. So by 10, I was menstrual, bleeding and I think I was 13 the first time that I was prescribed antidepressants to manage my mood around the time of my period. But it was very difficult because back then, antidepressants weren't as freely prescribed as they are now, but also neither was menstrual health in the way that it is now. So although I knew that it was severe around the time of my period nobody seemed to really be listening and like the access to the internet and stuff was so sparse then I'm talking like I'm ancient I'm only 32 but (laughs) just in how it is now it was very different and I think I really struggled kind of knowing that I had these big mood changes so extreme mood swings um I was very angry but it was always kind of put down to teenage angst rather than actually anybody listening to the fact that there was a clear cyclical link. So yeah, it's been a long road. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think 
yeah, on the one hand, you were lucky to be diagnosed maybe like what eight years ago because PMDD um, information and awareness has blown up so much in the most in the last recent years. So you know, eight years ago, I guess getting a diagnosis was quite probably unheard of and quite lucky. But on the other hand. I guess you didn't have, you know, even things like online support from, you know, the Instagram community and things like that. I guess it was quite isolating, especially, you know, even before you you were diagnosed. I guess it probably felt quite, quite lonely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm really lucky that I have a good relationship with my mum who, who has also suffered PMDD. I mean, she's post-menopause now, but she also suffered quite badly and she was never officially diagnosed. But I think she was very aware and believed in what I told her when I was confident that it was um, cyclical and definitely related to my menstrual cycle. But even now, even though I am officially diagnosed, I still see new doctors sometimes that refer to PMDD as severe PMS. And they'll still kind of try to pinpoint other factors that could be attributed to my mood changes, whereas I know what is causing these changes. I mean, of course, um, your mental health can be exacerbated at other times, not necessarily due to your cycle. But I find the difference with the PMDD is it's so kind of focused around your cycle that when it is something else you're quite aware that it's something else yeah totally totally get that um the amount of times that I'll question myself and be like is this PMDD is it not PMDD and even if I think well it's not really the the day for PMDD I will still know that it is yeah you know you know don't you when you've got PMDD you know when it's PMDD I really believe that. And I think we are kind of the best educators because we do have to live with it. And we have been tracking our moods for so long. The only way to get a diagnosis or even to get a doctor to listen to you most of the time is when you go in with realms of paperwork and saying, this is how I've been living. Um, And again, I think with GPs particularly, it's very easy for them to overprescribe because that's all they have available to them. And they're not specialists in the field. So, like for me, getting antidepressants at 13, I mean, back then, I think, I can't actually remember the brand that I took, but it was quite, like, hard-hitting. It was quite, like, zombifying. And I remember just never really feeling present. And then I would always just have these mood dips. And the only way to kind of placate them was to take these tablets that then just kind of dimmed everything else and it was all just a bit dulled down. I don't know if you find that now. I mean, I know we're quite lucky with advanced like medicines, but I don't know if you still find now sometimes to get relief from PMDD, you can almost go too far the other way and you just feel a bit flat. Yeah, yeah. It's such a, it's a thin line, isn't it? Like a tightrope walk to walk on. Um and the, the amount of times that you don't get it right because it's so hard to, to get it right is like, it's, it's really hard. It's so hard to, to get that balance right. Um, and if you take practitioners who maybe don't have that understanding, then that's only going to make it worse, isn't it? You know, they're going to overprescribe, like you say, or 
or not prescribe, not diagnose. And I think when you're already battling with this voice in your head that's telling you it's maybe your fault or that you're, you know, you haven't, for me anyway, I always blame on myself. You know, I've not eaten healthily, I've not exercised enough. That's why it's bad. And so if you're somebody who blames yourself and internalizes a lot of the the angst that comes with PMDD, you're less likely to be able to speak up for yourself. And I think if, if you've got a doctor who doesn't really understand, that's not going to be helpful. No, it's so difficult. It's so difficult, especially because it is one of those things that is invisible but carries so many different attributes that actually it could be so many other things. However, we living with it know that it's not. We yes. know that it's I just feel like with invisible illness and mental health of any kind, like there's so many different um, disorders and diagnoses, but they, they're all very similar in the sense that we feel them, but nobody else can really see them. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense, actually. Yeah. It's like, you know how you feel and you know what's causing it. Like, I don't know if you um, have this as well, but I find like my husband, like yours, is brilliant, very supportive and is very understanding. But sometimes I'll still find myself having to tell him that it is because of this, because he because he doesn't suffer with it and it doesn't happen to him. He he wants to fix things. So he will be like, well, what is wrong? And I'll be like, nothing. Well, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. And it can be so frustrating for both of you, as as you'll likely know. It's, it's definitely a road that you need to go down together. But it's also hard because sometimes, like you just said, I will feel, well, is it PMDD? Or did I, yeah, did I do something to kick this off? Or have I made this worse by, like you said, not exercising, not eating healthily, or just generally not doing enough for my mental health? We all know we have a toolkit and things work and things don't work, but sometimes you can do everything right and it still won't work. Yeah, definitely. And to note that, because I think from an outsider's point of view, they expect you doing the right things to work. And we all do it to an extent. We expect people to recover by following advice. And actually, this is an ongoing thing. It's a management process. It's not something that we're going to recover from. I think that's that's really important for for people who have got PMDD to know, but also people who maybe support somebody who's got PMDD. And yeah, I can definitely relate to that idea of, you know, I'll say to my husband, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling today. And he'll go, okay, wh- why, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm just struggling because I'm struggling. It's not a case of we need to go down a road and kind of analyze it. I'm just struggling. And, and that's really hard because I think, like you say, with, with, with your husband, they obviously just want you to be okay. Um, yeah. And when you're in PMDD, you're not okay. And there's not a lot they can do really. Um. So yeah, it's tough. It is so difficult. Um, it's just so complex. Like I, I feel as though I know 
that the PMDD as is just a, as a result of my abnormal reaction to normal hormone changes. But even myself, sometimes I question, well, is it something else? Yeah. Is there something else wrong with me? And I'm just missing it because I've accepted that actually this is what I have. And I do feel like it is an ongoing battle. And some months you do get it right and you, you manage it to a level that is livable. And then others, it will literally just be total crash or burnout and there'll be no rhyme or reason. Yeah, definitely. And and you also have fibromyalgia. So for anyone who, who hasn't heard of fibro, just tell us a little bit about that and, and what effect it has on you. Okay, so I was actually diagnosed with fibro just after I gave birth to my daughter. Um, it's a chronic condition that its main symptoms are widespread chronic pain and fatigue. Some doctors believe it to be um, a neurological disorder that affects the central nervous system and the way that our bodies perceive pain. Some believe it's as a result of trauma, so for me, possibly childbirth. However, even though I only got diagnosed in 2016, I've suffered with chronic pain on and off pretty much for as long as I've had PMDD, which is which I'll talk a bit about in a minute, as I know you want to understand maybe there might be some links and and I do think there are but fibro is constant but it can flare up at different times so for me it's a constant juggling act of both so when PMDD is is in its latent phase if you like I'll then be managing the fibromyalgia symptoms that I'm not able to necessarily manage as well when I have PMDD. My main symptoms are chronic pain. So I get a lot of um, widespread body pain. I get, I'm definitely more sensitive to stuff since having fibro. So I have allergies now that I never had before. Um, although that's not classed as a clear symptom, it, there's a very strong link to people um, being more sensitive to substances and foods etc when they have fibromyalgia it can also bring about symptoms of IBS and migraine and migraine for me is probably the worst symptom I get I've always had migraines again since my periods began so I've always considered them hormonal however now I get them outside of my normal cycle so they can be quite severe and it's a juggling act because most months, for five to seven days every single month, I'll be on bed rest, whether that's all together or in separate instances. But it's so much of your life, which you'll know with PMDD is too, that it affects so much of your life that trying to work around it and have a life around it and forward plan. So I don't know if you do this, but I'm so conscious of planning things that fall around my menstrual cycle because I know that it's likely to not just give me PMDD but also kick off a flare-up and other symptoms or I might get a migraine that renders me bedridden for three days and it can be hard work and yeah it is just a juggling act. And how do you manage PMDD 
and fibro while she's still a working mum as well? Because that must be really difficult. Yeah, not very well, to be honest. Um, I've been talking to my husband recently about how, like, what are we going to do to make some more money so that I can just quit my job because this is just not working. But um, I don't. I have I have quite a lot of absence from work. I mean, I'm lucky at the moment that I say lucky. We're all working from home at the moment. And, and I do find that to be a luxury for me because it does help in the sense that I am able to take my time. I don't have to get up, shower, get Kira to school out the door to work I, you know I've got a bit more leeway I can just put the laptop on in bed if I want which is it does feel like a luxury but it's also it's difficult I find with my main feelings around it are definitely guilt and that is something that plays a massive part of my life even before I had kids I used to feel like like you mentioned earlier just not good enough or as though you're not doing enough or and I get really paranoid that people think that I am might be exaggerating my symptoms. If I'm honest, I feel like that people who listen and think, oh, God, not again. And so then you go through this cycle of bottling things up and then it all just comes bursting out, which is what I tend to do with my husband, the poor guy. I will not tell him every day that I'm feeling a bit rubbish because I don't want to keep on. But then when it's really bad, I've gone so far of keeping it in that I'll just kind of be hysterical. And we go through this cycle, mostly monthly, of the same kind of thing. And I do find it hard. I worry about having the second baby like it's been a big trauma for me. Because we had a a difficult pregnancy and a difficult time with my daughter after she was born, but also because I feel like I'm not even as healthy as I was then and actually this has a knock-on effect on my kids and I want to bring them up with awareness of invisible illnesses and disabilities that aren't necessarily visible mental health etc but I also still want to be their mum and able to function and do all the fun stuff whereas my daughter's four and she sees me in bed quite a lot that's hard and I, it's interesting because I think mum guilt is something that like is thrown around quite a lot. You know, I think a lot of people are struggling with mum guilt in lockdown, but I think just guilt in general, like, like you said, you, you felt like that before you even had Kira. I feel like that and I don't have children. I feel guilty for, I do exactly the same, get my work laptop and just having it on in bed. And it's, it's the best thing because I know that actually that is enabling me to work. But yeah. on the other side, I'm embarrassed by that because I think, well, none of my friends have to do this. You know, it's this isn't a normal way of life. People, you know, my husband, he goes to work every day. Why can't I do those things? And that that makes me feel so guilty. But then do I guess, you, go on. Oh, sorry, Laura. Um, do you feel like your relationships have changed? since you've become more aware of your PMDD, like now you know what it is and you want to talk about it and raise awareness of it, do you feel like that has changed your relationships? Yeah, I think to some extent it has because I'm, I used to be, um, I used to find it really hard to talk about like my feelings. I, I definitely wouldn't have wanted to talk about something like PMDD when I was first diagnosed with it because it was just so 
it's so personal. It's, you know, it's talking about mental health. It's talking about periods, you know, two things are quite taboo. And I guess I was a bit more, not surface level, but I didn't have a lot of depth to me in, in terms of, you know, my, my friendships and stuff. Um, and now I feel like because I want to talk about these things more and not just, you know, my own experiences, I don't mean like I just want to talk about me all the time, but, you know, I, I would find it easy to to have a conversation with a friend about something that they were going through and I wouldn't be afraid to ask them. Um, whereas I think in the past, maybe there was always a little bit of awkwardness, you know, I'd, I don't want to ask her if she's okay or not in case she cries and gets upset. Whereas now I think, well, if she does cry, that's okay. And I think that has impacted things now because it means that if I'm surrounded by people who maybe don't want to have those conversations and do want to be kind of, you know, surface level, I just feel like it's not, I don't know, it's not the authenticity that I want from a relationship or a friendship. So yeah, I don't know. Do you feel like that? Yeah, I definitely do, which is why I I asked you really, Um, especially with PMDD. I do talk about it openly and I do have um, good close friends that don't necessarily all understand, but are willing to accept it for what it is and hear what I have to say about it. But also I have people who will just kind of play it down and say, well, everyone has periods or everyone does this. The same with pregnancy, actually. Like so many people said to me, oh, we all do it. You know, it's worth it in the end. And of course it is worth it but the feeling of the 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 kind of feelings that I'm experiencing are really similar to what I experienced during PMDD because it is fear and guilt and again some people have said to me oh your hormones will settle down when you get pregnant well like that's not happened for me like I've Mm. not had I've not really had any moments where I feel like I'm buzzing or glowing or ready to tackle the world. It just doesn't. And and I think, as you just said, relationships are impacted by that because I I am so much more open to hearing what is going on with my friends now, similarly to you. But I also don't want to talk to people who aren't open to hearing what I've got to say either. Yeah. Yeah. And the depth has definitely increased and the quality of friendships and close relationships is better, but it has meant that people have dropped along, dropped off along the way. And even though that's not necessarily a bad thing, because it does kind of whittle out the people that are important and the people that you want in your life, it also still leaves that lingering bit of paranoia for me that that is my fault or because I'm like this they don't want to be around me or they don't they're not interested or they think I'm making it up so I struggle with that quite a lot yeah I think one thing that I can really relate to there is you know if if I'm not feeling well whether it be like migraine or mood with PMDD in the past, I probably would have covered it up a little bit. So if I had to cancel plans with my friends, for example, I would say, you know, I'm I'm not well. Maybe I'd say something like I've got a stomach bug because that feels a bit more acceptable, like you just said. Um, 
And I think that's been a massive learning for me now that if you can't be honest with somebody and say to them, I'm, I'm really struggling with my mental health today, or I'm really struggling with the migraines today, actually that, that does make me question, well, actually, are those people that you are actually that close to, or is it more that surface level relationship that you've got? Um, and I, I, I try now to be more honest and say, well, do you know, my mental health is really bad at the moment. Um, I'm really struggling because I think even if they can't relate to PMDD, I know that, you know, all of my friends or my family, everyone has mental health. And on the days that they're struggling, I want them to know that they can talk to me. And I almost think it's, it's setting a good example, if nothing else. But there's something about living authentically and, and kind of being true to yourself without sounding really cheesy. But, you know, rather than covering up and kind of hiding that, you know, my PMDD is bad, I'll be honest and say, actually, I'm really fighting today. It's, it's just a bit too much. And if people can't handle that, well, they don't have to, you know? Yeah, it is hard. It's so hard because you know, nobody ever sets out to lose friendships or relationships and that is ultimately not what we want but you're absolutely right I think when when you notice that somebody isn't being authentic or they're not prepared to hear what you have to say and support you in the way that maybe you would them it's it's weird I feel like in in these days, when I meet new people, I almost instantly know if they're going to be my kind of people. Yeah. And not, I just can't be bothered. And I don't, I want to be deemed a nice person and I want to get on with everybody, but I'm also just not up for faking it anymore. Mm -hmm. I feel over that. I think you have to protect yourself. And that's definitely something that I've learned over the last couple of years is, you know, yes I want to be a nice person and everything like you say I want you know I want people to like me but actually what I want more is to to protect myself and you know be surrounded with, by people who make me feel good or people who understand me even if they don't understand my condition which they won't if they don't have it they understand what it means they understand the impact it has and and what I need and I think that's that's so important isn't it because actually by being diagnosed with PMDD and I, I don't like to say it's it's kind of validated it because I, I don't think a diagnosis should validate how you're feeling but it has and it has made me go do you know what this is so real it's just as real as a tummy bug or arthritis or any other condition it's just as valid and and therefore it should be treated as such and if people aren't going to give it the the credit it deserves then for anyone listening, I'm pulling like a, a rubbish face, basically. <laughs> um, a little bit, definitely before I, I really understood my own suffering, I was definitely somebody who shrugged things off, not just about myself, but maybe for other people too, like not necessarily with the level of empathy that I now have. And... I feel like that's important to note too, that actually I'm aware that I haven't always made the right choices or been the best friend because I didn't understand. Yeah. But the difference now is living the way I do and knowing what I know, I want to be a better person and I want to understand. 
but as you say I also need to protect myself yeah definitely and it's taking ownership of it like you, you can't really take ownership of something when you don't know about it but when once you do know about it it's kind of like this is me this is my condition and like you said before it's it's here to stay so get used to it or or do one um so what are you would you say are the things that that help you then for anyone who's listening who has PMDD and or fibromyalgia like what what would be in your toolkit um I'm still very much dependent on medication I think with both PMDD and fibro there is no specific medication so um it's usually combination therapy and it's very similar in the sense that um, PMDD and fibromyalgia both have overlapping symptoms. PMDD can cause severe fatigue, migraines, brain fog, and being in chronic pain can trigger anxiety and low mood. So they definitely cross over. So for me, it's finding, first off, a mood stabiliser, so whether that be an antidepressant or vitamins of some kind that work because I do believe in both I'm not currently on antidepressants during this pregnancy however I do still take pain relief and I do um, take nerve blockers for migraine prevention so I'm still very much dependent on medication the reason I I kind of weaned off the antidepressants because um, before I found out I was pregnant I was only taking them in the little phase so that was a new thing for me I've always taken antidepressants continuously but I had quite a long time off them and then I realized that actually the PMDD was back rearing its ugly head worse than ever I wanted to try just taking the antidepressants in the luteal phase to see if I got a good relief from it but as soon as that did happen if the following month I found that I was pregnant because I've not been taking them continuously I just stopped them However, I don't know if, if that will always be the case. I may go back on them later down the line. But medication for me is important. And it's not necessarily a case of just having one pill that works. It might be combination. We all know that lifestyle factors attribute to our mental health. So eating well and exercising do make you feel better. But sometimes on the days when you're just not able to do that, you need to be able to fall back. You need a fallback. So you need to be able to take your medication without shame and that's what's keeping you well you know if you're a diabetic or if you had a heart condition and you needed to take medication constantly nobody would be saying to you you're a drug addict or you're you know there's something wrong with you you're mental you need this and I genuinely do believe that we are better at accepting medication now I do I think take your meds it's definitely taken off and most people are pro medicine but I still get messages all the time from people claiming they can offer me cures for my symptoms I'm not adverse to trying different approaches I'm not um before lockdown I used to have deep tissue massage once a month to help relieve pain and I've tried acupuncture and I found both really good however affordability for me is a, is a big issue as well so I feel like medication in the background keeps me ticking over over you just have to try lots of different things until you find the one that just 
works best for you. It's not a cure. There, are, There is no cure. and We will never find a pill. Well, maybe not never, but not anytime soon. We're not going to find one pill that's going to cure all ills, unfortunately. But I do believe that a lot of people are frightened about taking medication. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, you know, I, I said on, on Instagram the other day, there's, there's so many ways to, to treat PMDD. Like, you know, there's obviously surgery, there's a more holistic way of kind of managing symptoms and a healthy lifestyle, the seed cycling. Some people like chart their cycle against the moon. It's, you know, whatever works for you, isn't it? And I think, well, while there isn't a cure, you can't judge somebody for the way they they choose to treat their their condition and I think out out of all of the things that I do I think medication has been the well I think it's had the most impact out of everything and I love what you said there about you know on your hardest day pressure to you know eat well and exercise is not going to help anything and if anything is the last thing you should be doing is you know putting that pressure on yourself to get 10,000 steps in a day or you know eat healthily because all you need on that day is your blanket and your bed and maybe a dark room um, and if that's what you need in that moment then that's what you need in that moment definitely yeah, I 100% agree especially on those dark days because when you do have health conditions whether it be physical mental or both they do impact your life and those days are more frequent and that's probably one of the things that upsets me the most is because I can have a few good days, but I know that the bad days are never far behind and it is a constant case of catching up. But like you said, just knowing that I I might not be able to get out and do my walk today or I might not be able to stomach a salad and I just want to eat chips. But by taking medication in the background, I still feel like I'm attributing to my health and and giving myself a fighting chance. Yeah, I think medication is like the one thing that you can do each day that actually requires like the least amount of effort, you know, compared to like exercise and where you have to like really put the effort in or like you say, making a salad, literally to take some medication, generally speaking, the act of taking your meds is is quite easy. So it's probably the most easy thing to do on those harder days compared to, you know, exercise and eating healthily and doing yoga and all of that because it's it's so quick it's easy um and it's the one thing that I actually I was thinking of this before um I forgot to take my my supplements this morning which I always always forget to do and then this afternoon I was taking them and I was like how have I not not done it because it's like the easiest thing to do it's almost that easy like you forget but it's it's the one it's almost like it's just a nod, isn't it? One nod to this is me looking after myself today. And this is if this is the only thing that I do to to self-care and to protect myself, then at least I know I've done this one thing and it helps. And I think from just from a mindset point of view, that's really helpful as well. Definitely. Um, I find that with days when my pain is particularly bad and I need to rely on more pain relief than than on a normal day I can get quite caught up in the fact that I've taken a lot of painkillers because they are not narcotic painkillers they're opiates codeine tramadol etc and that can really weigh heavy on me when every time I open my phone there's an article about opioid addiction and 
dependency and and people who are struggling and I don't doubt for a second that if I had to actually stop altogether I would have I would feel a form of withdrawal however these pills I'm not overdosing on them I'm not taking them for a high I'm taking them just to be able to get out of bed and I think that's the difference there's a lot of stigma around medication still which I find frustrating because so many of us take it now and actually I feel not the minority anymore really especially when it comes to mental health because our struggles are so much more profound these days yeah. we're all living we all have so much pressure from every angle I'm not saying that our parents and ancestors didn't have that however I do think now that we are kind of burning the candle at both ends all the time and playing catch-up and actually medication is just like you said a really simple tool yeah definitely what would you say then to anyone listening who you know they tried other things other ways to manage their their symptoms you know for any condition they were considering medication but they were worried about um maybe the stigma attached to it or they were they didn't want to rely on on medication for the rest of their lives. What what would you say to them? Um, I've actually had this conversation quite recently with a friend who who was trying to come off of her antidepressants, but she admits herself that she doesn't actually feel as though she can because she's still having the same kind of episodes. But she doesn't want to be on antidepressants forever and. My, I think my advice to her was, again, like I just said, if you had some kind of physical ailment that required you to take medication, so um, if you needed to take blood thinners or insulin, and you knew that you had to take that for the rest of your life to be able to survive healthily, would you stop taking it? And she was like, well, no, but it's not that. But to me, it is that. That is what it is. Um, because these are chronic health conditions and and yes people do recover from episodes of poor mental health um, and lots of people will but for us PMDD and fibromyalgia and all those other kind of chronic conditions at the moment as we stand there is no cure and if I have to take medication every day for the rest of my life to be to enable me to live my life then I'll then I will love that and um, just as we start to to wrap up then, when you think about the future of for you, your family, for people who have PMDD, fibro, any chronic illness, what do you hope for? I definitely hope for more awareness and more conversations like this. I feel like getting worldwide recognition for conditions that are not spoken about enough enables us to have better conversations not just with each other but with our employers with um our medical professionals we need to be armed with facts so that we can go to these people and say this is what we have listen it's valid so more awareness is so important which is why i'm really keen to to do more of that but also just one day at a time i can't hope too far ahead because if i do I kind of set myself up for failure quite often. 
so the key for me, especially at the moment, like I'm trying to retrain my brain to actually just get through the days and enjoy the good ones because they do come. There are good days and when they come, it's brilliant. And and it's just holding on to that. And if you overthink anything, whether it be an illness or not, if you overthink it, you kind of give it all your power and you don't really maintain any for yourself. You've given it all to this illness because you, you've non-stop thinking about what might happen in the future. And actually, for us, I think getting through the days and looking after ourselves as best we can. And yes, I, I really want to look after myself better. There are things I do need to do. One of them being um, maintain a much better diet. I find for me, PMDD and now pregnancy comes with real the junk food thing for me is a real battle. I feel like it's actually something that physically just some days I can't do. So for me, trying to look after myself better in other ways is is important. But just don't overthink it because you will get days where it's just not able to be done. And keep talking, keep talking, because these are the conversations that, are enabling diagnosis and are enabling employers to better support their staff. There's so much work to be done to better support people who live with chronic health conditions. And if you'd like to learn more about fibromyalgia for yourself or to support someone affected by it, then staff has recommended visiting FMA UK, which is currently the only UK fibromyalgia charity. And if you're just learning about PMDD, head to iapmd.org. On my next episode, I'll be joined by Abia, who will be telling us what it's like for her being a Muslim woman living with PMDD. This podcast doesn't have paid ads, and I'd really like to keep it that way. So just to let you know that as well as my hormones, my health, I'm still taking on clients for my coaching work specialising in PMDD, and I've just launched my latest project, Inspiring Hope Always, with my t-shirt range. You can find out more about all of the work that I'm doing at tiajonescoaching.co.uk or email me at hormonesandhealthoutlook.com. I always love hearing from my listeners. As always, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends or anyone who you think it might help.